Welcome to this episode of the Visionary Leadership Institute podcast. Today's guest is Bob Campana. It is an incredible honor to have Bob on the podcast today on this episode of the Visionary Leadership Institute podcast. Welcome, Bob. Well, thank you, Matthew. It's a great honor to be on with you. And I am a huge fan of Dr. Roy Church and his wife, Bobby, and Dr. Marsha Ballinger. And me and my family have been longtime supporters of LCCC because they deliver tremendous results to our community. And I consider them the most valuable asset that we have in our region. And I just think they're doing extraordinary work and I'm grateful to be a part of this. Thank you for being here. So our first question is, how would you define a visionary leader? I think about that as someone who's forward thinking, someone is a strategic planner who achieves things through tactical events. So someone that is staying current with what's going on in the world, or could be in the region, could be something that's going on, whatever level you're dealing with, could be local, regional, national, international, could be within your job, within your family, but you're present in the moment and thinking about all the implications that are impacting what it is that you value and trying to plan for the future. So I'm a big fan of people who think about a vision strategically thinking about the future and thinking what are the tactical elements that it takes to get to where you want to go. It's also somebody who's going to take responsibility for the success and that's through periodic accountability. So a lot of times it's delegation of responsibilities downstream, but the strategic planner leader has got to take responsibility as well and make sure that everything is flowing the right way And if it's not, adjust the sales accordingly to catch the wind properly, right? So it's that person that has vision, it's the person who takes responsibility, it's the person that is going to be at the helm and make sure the sales are adjusted accordingly. I like that, the metaphor of adjusting the sails according to how the wind is blowing, because we never really know from day to day now. Our next question will be, if you could have dinner with any leader, who would you pick and why? And I want to thank you for that question because I'm going to open the minds to a lot of people with my comment. One of my heroes was introduced to me by one of my mentors, Leo Corey, and his hero in mine now is General George C. Marshall. And a lot of people don't know who General George C. Marshall is, but he is one of the most extraordinary leaders in the history of the world. And those are big words that I just shared with you, but I'm telling everybody that's listening in the audience, Google George C. Marshall, General George C. Marshall. General George C. Marshall was handpicked by President Roosevelt to lead the armies, first the military forces, right? And then ultimately to lead the allied forces. Everybody hears about General Eisenhower. Well, General Eisenhower worked for General George C. Marshall. George C. Marshall was in Washington, D.C. He was the guy that was preparing in the late 30s for what they thought could possibly happen, and it ultimately did, where the Axis powers came into power and started invading Europe and then Japan with the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. But George C. Marshall was the selfless servant leader who knew how to be a visionary leader, strategic planner, tactical implementer, a delegator, and then be responsible to hold everybody accountable to achieve the necessary results. 
So imagine, I don't know the exact numbers, but imagine we had less than a million people in our military, and significantly less because we downsized in World War I. And in post-World War I, our military was very small. And he grew it to over 8 million men and women, and then had to build all the infrastructure around that, be it equipment, supplies, facilities, vessels, armaments, you name it. And he was the architect of all that. So after that, he goes on to serve the Red Cross, the American Red Cross. He's brought back to be Secretary of State. He is the most incredible self-assertive leader that I've ever heard about. My greatest self-assertive leader in all time is Jesus. And then personally knowing the greatest self-assertive leader, I would say personally, it's Dr. Roy Church. And Marsha's not far behind, but uh, her being a mentee to Dr. Church, uh, I'll get Dr. Church the number one position. But there's such great examples of selfless servant leaders that are doing it for the good of the community, the good of the country, the good of humanity. And General George C. Marshall is going to open the eyes of a lot of people to dig in and learn. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know I'm definitely going to be Googling and going down the YouTube rabbit hole after <laughs> after this interview. And you mentioned the importance of having mentors a little bit earlier. And what are some of the memorable lessons that you've learned from your mentors? I've learned so much. I stand on the shoulders of many, many great people. You know, my parents, and then I was blessed and am blessed to have had eight mentors in addition to my parents. And now a, a few of them have passed away. But for example, one of my mentors I communicate with multiple times daily, usually email, is 97 years old and lives in Tampa, Florida. If I could say what is the most impactful thing that mentors have done for me, my first mentor was by chance when I took over PC Campana at the age of 34 when my father, Patsy, passed away unexpectedly. And we had just signed up for a major acquisition down in Houston. We had signed corporately and committed guarantees to a $12 million loan with Society Bank. And the market had turned south, and I didn't know where to turn. And I contacted Stan Piger, the president of the Lorraine National Bank, and asked if I could come in for some advice. I came in, he gave me some sage advice. It was counterintuitive to what I plan on doing, what I thought I should do. I followed out his instructions and reported back to him with great admiration and gratitude that the plan worked exactly as he suggested. At first, I thanked him. And then I asked him, I said, Mr. Piger, if I ever have any other challenges or opportunities, would it be okay if I called you for some advice? He said, Bob, my door is always open for you. So what I learned from that is that in over time is that the most successful people are the most willing to help. And there's nobody too big to ask for help. Now, I've asked a lot of people for advice and help that did not become my mentors, but I've never been told no. You know, maybe they didn't have enough time for me or I couldn't meet with me or whatever, but people are willing to help. So my message to those listening is there is no one outside of your reach that's too big for you to reach out to them to say, I admire you. I have a question. It could be an opportunity I want to discuss, a challenge I need advice on. But I assure you, the more successful they are, the higher the probability they want to reach out because they're standing on the shoulders of greatness themselves. 
because we all have been helped along the way. So if you don't have a mentor now, you don't know what you're missing out. You need to seek mentors. They're not all going to work out, but some will. And it'll be one of the greatest blessings in your life. They can definitely light the path for you. If they've been down that road before, sometimes they want to make sure you don't twist your ankle on the same potholes that they twisted their ankle on. So There's no doubt. And today, I had the opportunity to mentor a number of young people. I have to say that I value my time greatly, so I'm very careful about who it is I mentor. And I give everyone that I open the door for, I'm all ears. I listen. I'll share some quick advice, but if I'm going to mentor someone, I offer a challenge and I can tell you most fail the challenge. And they talk a good game about how hungry they are and how willing they are to do what it takes to be successful. And I find that uh, the majority fail to complete the challenge I offer them. And then that door gets closed because there's someone else that could use my time better than the person I close the door on. What are some leadership qualities you're continuing to work on? I have something that I say every day and I think about it multiple times a day. When I do my daily prayer, I pray for good health and the fruits of the Holy Spirit and a mindset, a mindset. A lot of people don't think of a mindset. I want to leave the house every day with a mindset of gratitude, humility, enthusiasm, discipline, meekness coachability, lifelong learner, and a listener. So I call it G-H-E-D-M-C-L. So please, Lord, bless me with the mindset of G-H-E-D-M-C-L. And I'm just suggesting anybody listening, be intentional about the mindset that you walk out of the house with or start your day with in the house. doesn't matter how or in. But I'm very intentional about my mindset. I also include with that every year, between Thanksgiving and New Year's, I write out my personal mission statement. And then I write out my prioritized values. Then I write out goals based on my prioritized values. And then I rewrite my mindset if I want to alter it. A lot of people can tell you what their goals are, but few write them out. And even fewer base their goals on prioritized values. For example, I know mine by the, on top of my head, I know by heart, my prioritized values are my faith, my family, my health, my freedom, meaning my personal freedom and my financial freedom, my integrity, my who, who I hang out with, who I admire, who I seek counsel from. And my last one prioritized value is travel. My wife and I love to travel. So when I go to write my goals, I start with my faith, my family, my health, my freedom, my integrity, my who, and then travel. And every year I write them out and I share them with my family so I'm accountable. And you mentioned accountability there at the end. What is the importance of accountability? So many things that you mentioned, if people were to just take one little piece of that and just be grateful every day, that could completely change someone's life. I'll dive a little bit into the accountability. I'll answer to say this. If you want to walk the talk, you need the loved ones around you to make sure that they're putting the guardrails up for you. We're all human. We drift and you need people to help keep you where you said you want to be. And every year I share them with my children, share them with my wife. And in my professional life, I share them with my business partners and where are we going and how are we doing? Where are we going and how are we doing, right? But if I ever drift, my wife is quick to snap me back into place. And my children are not shy about saying, but dad, 
I thought you said this. And I'm like, you know, you're right. I need to sharpen that up. Every year, I also pick something that I want to focus on for the year. So at the end of 22 or 2023, I focused on gratitude. I picked something I really wanted to get better at. And I'm a very grateful person just naturally, but I wanted to be more intentional about what I'm grateful for because it's just incredible when you put the filters in and you look around, I call my goggles. I'm looking through the gratitude goggles and it's unbelievable how many things there are out there to be grateful for. So that's why you see me walking with a pep at my step and a smile on my face because I'm a pretty grateful guy. Always looking for the positive. That's so important, that mindset. When you mentioned being a lifelong learner as well, how do you make room and make time for continuing to learn while you're leading and you have a busy schedule? Well, I hold it as a very, very important value. And a lot of people think to get educated and then just stop and go to college or high school, college, whatever it is. And the most successful people after studying success for decades now have committed and are intentional about life being lifelong learners. So I carve out a good 45 minutes to an hour most mornings. I mean, it's intentional to read every morning. Sometimes you get disrupted and you can't. But then on the weekends, I carve out time, usually earlier or late in the afternoon before something, you know, before dinner or something. But I am intentional about carving time out. And then most importantly, Matt, there's so much to learn. I'm intentional about prioritizing what it is I'll spend time on. So in my queue, I have things that I want to read and things I want to study. And I'm constantly adjusting my queue to surface up what it is I consider the most important thing to work on. I try to stay focused on that until I finish it. And then I'll go to the next priority in my queue. Are there any books that you would recommend to the students that are listening to this? Oh, I'd strongly recommend my top two books. My, my first book is the Bible. Regardless of your religious affiliation, the Bible has all the answers to life's questions. But if you're just wanting to look in a secular way, go to the book of Proverbs. And Solomon was purported to be, I'll, I'll say, the second wisest man who ever lived, Jesus being the first. But Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And if you read the book of Proverbs from a secular point of view, it's just good common sense that will help everybody. The second book I'll recommend to everybody is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I'm a graduate of the Dale Carnegie program. My wife's a graduate of the Dale Carnegie program. All three of our children are graduates. Two of my in-laws, son-in-laws are graduates. My daughter-in-law is committed to being a graduate. All my grandchildren will be graduates. But read How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you really want the impact, take the class. Google Dale Carnegie. It's over a 110-year-old program all over the world. And it's changed my life. I put it up there with my college education. It's emotional intelligence in public speaking. But everybody should read Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I read it every year. I reread it every year. And I pick something to focus on for the year. And I reference it when I run into a problem or an opportunity because the principles are they're timeless. 
You mentioned rereading it every year. I was reading a statistic the other day that said that 24% of people did not read a book last year of adults. And you mentioned rereading a book every year and staying on top of educating yourself and remaining a visionary leader. And that's such a, a critical part of it. And you have books that you can reference and just say, this is something that I reread every year and you focus on different parts of it. And I'm sure reading the book today is different than it was 10 years ago because the world looks different. Yeah, there's no doubt. As you live life, you're different. The world's different. I am just constantly trying to hone my skills. I probably tell you that I am a student of success. And a student of success is not a student of money or financial gain. A student of success is a student of people who accomplish what they set out to do. I'm a student of joy. I'm a student of financial success. I'm a student of significance. And I study people for small elements that I plug together, I piece together for me. I'll take a piece from this person, a piece from that person, and I'll plug it in and try to get better at it myself. I would like to just suggest to all those listening, become a lifelong learner, reach out or study people that you admire and see what they do, how they do it, and have the discipline and make the decision to be willing to do what they do and magic will happen. But if you think it's gonna happen without hard work, you're wrong. I'll tell you it's simple, it's very simple. That means it's not complicated, but it takes discipline and hard work. So if you're a disciplined hard worker, all you have to do is start studying and then write a mission statement, which is basically write your constitution. Who are you and who do you want to become? And then write a mindset. What are the attributes that you want to walk out of the house with? And then prioritize your values. What do you value in life? And then prioritize them and then write your goals. If you do that, you are going to launch yourself towards where you personally can achieve. There's no limit to anybody. So it's very simple, takes discipline and hard work and commitment. So make the decision to do it. Are there any other pieces of advice that you would give to future leaders? I think I've told you what, how I feel about things. And I'd like to just close to say that we're blessed to have Lorain County Community College. I can't stress enough how impactful it is to our region and to our local community and being very close to the action for the last 30, 40 years now to watch Dr. Church and now Dr. Ballinger carry the torch. They have done and they're doing tremendous things. And a great testament to that is the leadership appointment that we just received for the interaction with Intel down in Columbus and the huge investment, the 20 billion initial investment, that's B, 20 billion with a B, and it's gonna probably go up to 100 billion, and Lorraine County Community College is in a leadership position among the colleges across Ohio on how to provide the workforce, that workforce development. That is a testament to what Roy set up and what Marsha is carrying out. And the next leader that will follow behind her will stand on her shoulders as Marsha stands on Roy's shoulders. And I'm extremely grateful to work here, but not only that, but to have interviewed both Dr. Roy Church and Dr. Marsha Ballinger for this podcast so far. So thank you, Bob, for being a part of this episode. We appreciate you being a part of it. It's been an honor and hope to meet you in person someday, Matthew. 